I want to talk to you today about practice righteousness. That word practice there means to put into place, to live it out, to do it. Everybody say do it. To do righteousness. That is what it is. And this is by far not a legalistic sermon. This is just something that needs to flow out of you. This needs to come. And and you're right, you know, this needs to just be the fruit that comes forth. When people look at you, they need to see the fruit which is connected to the root of righteousness. And this is what I'm going to talk to you. And there's a few statements that I just want to bring to you before we go to the Word of God. First of all, to practice righteousness means to live in accordance with God's commands and to reflect His character in our daily lives. Selah. Who knows what Selah means? Pause. Wait. Think. We need to live His righteousness in our daily lives. His righteousness needs to be reflected in our character. Your character needs to change. The things I used to do, I do no more. Not because I am said there's a rule I don't do them. I don't do them because I don't want to do them anymore. Something changed. You see, it involves loving God and loving others and obeying His Word and living a life of integrity and morality. This is what it is. This is what it all involves. Of living a life of integrity. Not only in the church, not only when you come through these doors, but at your home. If, if I've got a little camera sitting up there in the corner and you don't know about it, and I can just, at this moment, go on my computer, and I've got it in all of your homes sitting here in front of me, and I can just press a button and I say, oh, let's see who we can visit today for the church. We're just going to play one day in the life of this family. Point. Is people going to see the integrity of God in that day in your lives, amongst each other? Is he going to see the love of God for your children, for your husband, for your wife, and even for the animals, the little dog? How many are you, times are you kicking the dog out of frustration? You see, it involves loving God and loving others and obeying His Word. Everybody say, obey His Word. But I thought we're not under the law anymore. No, no, the law is fulfilled in Christ. He didn't take it away. You, there is still things that we need to obey, but we do it now out of love. And this is where it comes in. We're living a life of integrity and morality. Who knows what morality means? That's what we need to live by. Practicing righteousness means that we seek to do what is right. You see the word there starts. It says righteousness. The first part of the word righteousness comes from the word. What word is that? Everybody read it. Right. right. It means that we seek to do what is right. You seek to do that. You see, we don't hope we fall in. We seek in every single thing we do what is right. Even, even, listen now, when it is difficult or unpopular to do the right thing. And to then avoid actions and attitudes 
that are contrary to God's will. Is that you again? Now what if I take that little camera and I put it at your workplace amongst your work friends? And I sit here today and I say, today we're going to, as a church, look how you conducted your day at your workplace. Boink. Can the church see what you do and how you do it at your workplace? That is a life of integrity. That is a life of morality. This is what righteousness is all about. And here, here, you know, the, the, the apostle comes and he says to us, and, and John, he says to us, practice it. Church, practice it. We need to practice it. Jesus showed us this in his life when he lived on the earth. You've got a whole Bible full of it. Examples. Living a sinless and perfect life and teaching us to do the same. Now, I, I said it before, I'm not one of those who believe we are sinless perfection. Because we all still make mistakes. And sometimes we all still sin. But there is a way for you and for me. Which we will see. But we need to practice righteousness. We are so worried about what's going on in the world. We're so worried about what's going on there. We're so worried about that person's life. We talk about that lady's life. But you do not look at your life whether you are practicing righteousness. We need to practice righteousness. And Jesus is that example. He emphasized that the true righteousness is not just about following rules or performing good deeds. Some people think that's what it's all about. But he also, he said it's also about having a genuine heart transformation. Have you had a heart transformation? Come on, just a few people. Have you had a heart transformation? I'm not talking about a physical operation. I'm talking about a heart transformation that results in a desire to please God and to serve others. Have you got a desire to please God in this place this morning? Amen. Then shout hallelujah. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand this morning. Come on church, hallelujah. I've got a desire to worship God. Have you still got that desire? Or are you doing church? If you do church, you're wasting your time. You need to want to serve God. Through wanting to serve God, He will embed in you the love. The Bible says His love has been poured out into your hearts. Listen to this now. To serve others. I hope you're coming to this church to serve others. Because if you come into this church to serve others, you will see the need in others. You will see that. There are people amongst us sitting with beautiful smiles, suffering. This is what the righteousness is. He emphasized the true righteousness. It's not about just following rules and performing good deeds and have you seen what I've done? No, no, no. We need to have that heart transformation. It's a heart operation that only God can do. He cut us by the hearts. Practicing righteousness is not something that we can do on our own strength. This is so important. But it is made possible through the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. This righteousness I'm talking about, you will not be able to do it in your own strength and power. You need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit to come and live inside of you in able to do that. As we abide in Christ, everybody say abide in Christ. 
as we abide in Christ and submit to His teaching and leading, He will then enable us to live out the righteousness that He has called us to live. The Lord was busy with me this week. Yeah? He was busy with me. And I hope He's busy with you. Now let's go now to the Scripture. That was me all the, the front. It's just overflowing this morning. I just want to overflow. Let His Word overflow. Talk about real righteousness. How are you? How is your lifestyle this morning? What does people know you about? What does your friends know you about? If I mention your name in their midst, what, what will they say? Oh, he's such a great party animal, man. You should see that guy going off when the going gets going off. Oh, he's such an integrity, he's a person of integrity. What will people say about you when they stand at the open grave? And, and your coffin goes down. What will people say about you? What are you leaving behind? It is your lifestyle that matters. Your life, not what you said. It is what you did that will matter. And, and by the way, when you stand before Him one day, He's not going to say, well said, my faithful servant. He's going to say, well, shout it out. Well, well done. So we have to live. This is a call to practice righteousness. This is not something you can just let pass. Ah, oh, she'll be alright, mate. You know that Aussie thing. She'll be alright, mate. You know, I'm born again. She'll be alright, mate. No, it's not going to be alright, mate. You need to work at this. It is a practice. Now again, I warn you, this is not a legalistic sermon. Because I qualified it right there by saying, you cannot do this in your own strength. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. What is that word in Greek? You should know it by now. Dynamis power. Yes. Dynamis power. 1 John chapter 2 verse 29 tells us this. This is where we get it from. He says, if you know that He is righteous. Everybody say righteous. righteous. You know that everyone who practices righteousness. Everybody say righteousness. He's born of Him. This is a qualification John gives us. He says... If you know that He, who is the He? It's Jesus Christ. If He is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of Him. And the Lord was so busy with me this week about righteousness. And then I went into my Greek again. <laughs> who loves the Greek? Yeah? Is it only three of us? Two, one, two, three, four, five, six. Well, by the end of the day, I hope you love Greek. I won't speak Greek, but I love it when I see this. Look at this word here for righteousness in Greek. It is the word dikaios. I'm not going to let the church say the word, okay? Don't worry, don't worry. Dikaios. Dikaios means to be right or just in character and in action. Can you now see when I gave you my statements earlier on that I spoke about a lifestyle? Can you see now that, you know, it is about your character? Your character needs to change. People are only looking at the fruit. I'm not interested in the fruit. Fruit can be faked, but character comes from the root, which is righteousness. If you haven't got the right root, you can fake the fruit one or twice, but eventually the true you will come out. I will pick you up, I will turn you around, I will shake you up and down and see what comes out of your pockets. The secret things that you know of and God knows of. And here he says, you know, the word dikos, it means just right in your character and actions. 
It is the condition of being morally right or even virtuous. Virtuous. You see, this is the interesting thing when I started spending time in this word. I love it so much because the word is so deep. Dikaios is expected, listen now, by the one who sets the rules and regulations. Righteousness, let me put it in English. Righteousness is expected. What does the word expected mean? You must do it, yes? It is expected by the one who set the rules and the regulations. Now let's go back to our verse and put it in context. He is righteous. Who is setting the rules and the regulations? God sets it. God sets it. And if He sets the rules and the regulations, who needs to do them? We need to do them. Is that right? Now, you say, oh, you know, that is a little bit of, you say that, preacher, you say that. But is the Bible saying it? Yes, it is. I'm going to prove it to you now in Greek. I told you you're going to love Greek at the end of this. Look at this now. When we continue on now, we take the word righteousness now. He uses it twice in the sentence. He is righteous. Now we know he's setting the rules. We know now we need to live right and virtuous. We know now it affects our character. Because his character is blameless. Who knows that? He's perfect. And through his example, he came to this earth and he gave us that perfect example to follow. We can't do it in our own strength. We'll get to that. But now he says, you know that everyone, everybody say everyone. everyone. Who's that? Can everyone put up your hand? That's us. Okay. Now the focus changes in the verse. He says to that everyone who practices. That word practice means to physically do a deed in Greek. That's what it means. We'll come to it. It's later in there again. But I hope this bless you. How can one word change what we've been taught now in the Spirit? In English, what have we added to this word to find practice righteousness? What have we added? Ness. Ness. The Greek did the same thing. Look at this. The word here for righteousness is dikaiosune. So what? <laughs> I say dikaiosune, and you say so what? And then I say for a third time dikaiosune. <laughs> Sune makes this an abstraction. Now who knows what's an abstraction? You know, just by adding in Greek sune at the end makes this word now an abstraction. Let me explain to you what is an abstraction. If I've got here a recipe to bake a cake. That's the recipe. You can read the recipe. You can look at the recipe. You can make copies of the recipe. I can give it to the whole church. It's until somebody takes the recipe and say you need baking powder. There's the baking powder. You need two eggs. There's the two eggs. And so the, the abstraction means that little word that he put on the end of it is you bring it into action. That is taking the recipe and then bake the cake. That is what an abstraction is. Okay, I don't want to confuse you. It's a little bit of English speech here. So what is this now? This is so exciting. Look at this now. Just by changing a word, he changes the focus onto everyone who practice righteousness. 
Righteousness, righteousness the word now with the ab abstraction to it, fulfills the rules of the chaos. Pause. Is that making sense to you? This is our part. He's done his part. He set the rules. In, in, in the case of a believer of us, God sets the rules. But in the case of a non-believer, we see it all around us. We see it in Victoria. You know, Dan Andrews is going to come one time again and he says, okay, we'll lock the whole place down again. He sets the rule. You need to then follow the rule righteously, religiously. Otherwise, they'll give you a fine. So in the case of a non-believer, the claims of that higher authority, which is a person adopts his own standard. This is so true. Because before you were born again, you only knew your own righteousness. And everything you did was right in whose eyes? In your own eyes. You did your own righteousness. You did your own abstraction of that righteousness. You set the rules and you followed them. I come to you and I say, you can't do that. Man, you can't if you every time kick the dog or bite the cat's tail. You can't do that. But, you know, you were brought up with your mom and dad who said, you know, you can do that. That is your righteousness. But then God comes with His righteousness and He changes the rules. And now you need to be righteous. Now, John writes more about this in 1 John chapter 3, verse 7. He says, Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness, he repeats it again, is righteous, just as he is righteous. John is exactly saying what I tried to say to you in the difficult Greek. <laughs> He's just saying it plainly, and I need to leave it sometimes over to him to say it plainly. He says, He who practices righteousness, you see, is righteous. Just as he is. He who follows the rules of the one who set the rules is righteous because he is the rules. He is the rules. But he also gives us now a distinction here. Look at 1 John chapter 3 verse 10. He says in this, the children of God. Everybody say children of God. And the children of the devil. Everybody say children of the devil. You don't want to be a child of the devil, do you? That is not right. I want to be a child of God. But he sees it right here. Look at this. is a powerful verse. In this. In this. What is the this, John? The children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. It comes to, to, to open, to revelation. It comes to see how they live their lifestyles. You can look at the children of God, you look at the children of the devil, you look at the lifestyles. This is what he's coming down to now. The problem today is that the spirit of the world has entered into some churches and you can't see the difference anymore. This is the problem. There's so many churches now, if you look at them and you say, are they children of God or are they children of the devil? I, I can't see. It's all gray. Uh, do you find it as well? It shocks me, honestly. <laughs> what is this? Now, throw it out. Let's just do all of our little games and plans and things. Now, wait a minute. Who is then underlining the righteous life that we need to live? The lifestyle is coming down. He says, <clears throat> in this the children of the God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever 
does not practice righteousness. You see, he qualified with a negative now. He says, whoever does not practice that righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. There's two distinctions, uh, the, the, uh, clear distinctions here that we can see. He who does not practice righteousness. Now, now, can you say to me, is practicing righteousness important? Only one says so. I, I think so. And if, if, if practicing righteousness is important, then I think we better know what's going on. We need to go deeper into righteousness. I don't want people to look at me and say out of my lifestyle, whoa, what is he? Is he now a child of God? He says he's a child of God, but look at the lifestyle. You know, I've got a classic example for you. Somebody was driving someday behind a car, and on the car they had this little fish. You know the little fish? What does that say to you, if you see that on a car? He's a Christian, yes. The little fishy Christian. He goes, whoa, there's my brother in front of me. I'm safe, I'm good, I'm just going to follow them. You know, they will obey to the road rules and everything because they are Christians. They live this lifestyle of righteousness. And they follow them around this corner and, yeah, there's my brother. He's still good. He put in his indicators even. They're good. But as they came around the third corner, the window went over and a banana peel went out the window. You see, you can't just tell people that you're a Christian and don't live the life. It is the lifestyle. And he says it right here. He says, whoever does not practice this righteousness is not of God. Now, let me just go one step quickly further now. Paul talks about this righteousness. In Philippians chapter 1 verse 9, he says, and this I pray. He prays for the church. What does he pray for? That your love may abound still. Now, if you're on my list, every week I'm going through the book of Philippians verse by verse. I make a short two to three minutes recording, Addy. <laughs> Ten or fifteen minutes recording, we're going to go through verse by verse, and I'm going to address that again. And I'm, I'll pick this out for you. But he says, I pray for them that they love may abound, that they have more knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. And now Paul writes this now. He says, being filled, everybody say filled, filled. with the fruits of righteousness. This tells me that your lifestyle needs to show fruit. There is fruit that's going to come and show. So what is the fruit of righteousness? Which are by Jesus Christ. Have you noticed that? That is a key phrase there. That you've been filled with the fruits of righteousness. Now this righteousness, this fruits of righteousness, will be by whom? By Jesus Christ. Is it your own effort? You remember when I gave you one of my statements? I said you will not be able to live this righteous life without the Holy Spirit. And here, I'm just backing what I said there. I'm just following up with Scripture. I didn't suck it out of my thumb. It comes out of the Word of God. He says it right there. He says, the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ. So if, let me ask you then the question. If you don't have Jesus Christ in your heart, will you have the fruits? If you don't have the Holy Spirit in your heart, will you have the fruits? You say to me, whoa, 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 whoa wait a minute. 
I know a few people in the world who's not saved and so on. Man, they are such lovely people. They are faking the truth. Because that root, if it's not of God, will not continue for the whole time in their life to produce the good fruit. Even if they do, even if they come and they're the most nicest people all their life, and they give, and they give, and they become so, ah, oh, look at this, we give, we give, look how good we are, where's the camera? You see, I'm going to give these people, I'm getting, where, you got me? Is the camera on? Show me the red light, yeah, yeah. Oh, there you go, brother, oh, God bless you. You get so many people now, I see them on YouTube, they go around and they give money to people who are sitting there, but the camera is always, always there. Oh, here is another thousand dollars for you. Another thousand. You see how good I am. Now, God bless their hearts. But if they haven't got the root of righteousness from Christ, it's all in vain. So he talks about this fruit here. Now, let me show you just quickly how a fruit of unrighteousness looks. Romans chapter 3 verse 10. And I, I certainly can identify myself in some of these. I used to be like that. I can certainly do that. Look at this now. Romans 3.10. As it is written, there is none righteous. Out of yourself you can't be righteous. Not one. There is none who understand. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have all together become unprofitable. There is no one who does good, not one. That's a lifestyle of not doing good. Have you been there when babies were born? You don't have to be there when they come out of the womb. But have you been there when they are neatly wrapped up and washed down and, and somebody walks around and they say, Oh, look at the beautiful baby. Have you been there? Have you seen little babies? Have you heard them? The moment they open up their eyes, they go, I'm going to praise God for the rest of my life. Is that what they say? No, they cry because they are selfish. You need to look at them. This is the nature. This is the root we are born in. Ah, I need food. I need food. You need to look. I need a new day nappy. I know it stinks, but I need a new nappy. <laughs> it's all about I when we are born. We need a new life. And he says it here. He says, none seeks after God. We're living in a time where people are not seeking after God. Their throat is an open tomb. Look at this. With their tongues, they have practiced the seed. They, the poison of aspirates under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood, destruction and miseries in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. Do you know people like that? Have you been like that? I've been like that. You know, I, I went with my, my grandfather one day fishing next to the Val River. It's a big river in South Africa. And I was, I think, around about eight, nine years. I couldn't remember. But I went with my grandfather, and we were sitting there fishing, and there's a bee that came past. Bzzz, a bee, a honeybee. And I go, whoa, that's a bee. You know, I don't want him to stick me in anything. And my grandfather taught me a lesson that day. He said to me, if there's one bee flying around, close by there will be a beehive. And then I was really curious. I forgot about fishing. I wanted to see, and I went, where's that bee now? And I started running around, where's that bee? Went around, I couldn't find him. But one day I saw the beehives. You see, it goes like this. Maybe you are swearing a swear word. 
If there's one bee flying around, somewhere there must be a beehive, yeah? Where's that all coming from? Where's that all coming from? It comes from the inside. Jesus says it's not what goes into the body that defiles you. It's what's coming out from the deceitfulness of the heart. This is why we need a new heart. And here he talks about cursing and bitterness. Man, I can tell you about talking with people who's carrying bitterness in their lives all their life. They've done me in and I can never forgive them for that. It grows a root of bitterness. Yes, this is a lifestyle. There is no fear for God in these people. Now, we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. And by the law is the knowledge of sin. Everybody needs to understand this. You need to understand it. By the law is the knowledge of sin. If I give you a law which I say, if you break this law, you will be sinning, that law gives you the knowledge of sin. And some people practice by that. No, that's the bad news. That is unrighteousness, but I've got some good news for you. You want to hear the good news? Yes. I was going to give it to you anyway. <laughs> 1 John chapter 1 verse 9. This is a powerful verse. You see, I just want to give you the word. He says, if we confess our sin... Who do we confess to? We confess to God alone, yeah? If we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to do what? To forgive us our sins. How wonderful is that? That phrase there is a legal phrase, okay? He makes you just. He justifies you. So that means if you come in a court of law and they bring all of those accusations against you, our advocate will stand up. Jesus will stand up and says, all of those things, you don't have to read them out because it is covered by my blood. He forgives you your sin. It is done with. But then that's not where the verse stops. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What we've just read in the book of Romans, He will not only forgive us our sins, but He will do a cleansing work in us. How good is God? How, can, how big and wide is his vast domain? Look at this now. That word there comes from the word katarizo, which means to free one from defilement of sin and from its faults. There's two things that happens in this verse. Have you noticed them? The first thing is a, it's a legal term. He, you are justified. He forgave you your sins. Your sins are you forgiven. But now he continues and he looks now at your lifestyle. At your lifestyle. And what is he doing in your lifestyle? He is freeing you from defilement of sin. Those stains that sin came and put into your life. Those ugly things that comes in. And you know what I'm talking about. I've heard some of you testify that and I testified myself. I find myself sometimes sitting there and then something I did when I was 20 years old all of a sudden floods my mind. And I feel so guilty and dirty. But you know what? He's been forgiven. And all I can think now is about the stain that he's left. But before I get even more drawn down by it, I open up in this verse. And I say, Lord, thank you that you've not only forgiven me my sin, but you've also cleansed me from that unrighteousness. 
because surely since I was 20 years old, I don't do that anymore. Are you with me now? How wonderful is the Word of God? How wonderful and powerful is the Word of God? Now look at this now. You need to follow this through, okay? Because you can't do it on your own. We were, we were in unrighteousness. Our lifestyle was so filthy. We kept on doing the wrong things. We keep on defiling ourselves. We keep on sinning. And now He comes and He forgives you your sin. And He cleans you from unrighteousness. And He makes you a new creation. Somebody shout hallelujah. Come on. No, 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 you just said that. Come on. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord a hand. Come on. Why are we giving the Lord a hand? Why? Because of this. You know, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, now you need to go and read before this. I'm not going to do it for time's sake. If anyone is in Christ, everybody say in Christ. Your homework is to go into the whole book of 1 John, the letter of 1 John, and underline all of the words in Christ. Go through John, Paul's letters and underline all the words in Christ. He says, in Christ, He is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold! All things, everybody say all things, have become new. Now listen to this now in verse 18. If you just read verse 17, you go, whoa, that is great, but this is now even greater. Now all things are of God. You said it. The Bible written it. You just expressed it. You see the righteousness, the righteousness now inside of me, that root of unrighteousness has been pulled out now and he's given me a new root of righteousness. Are you with me now? His righteousness. You're a new creation. You're a new creation. And, he, and all these things, you know, he uses these as a new creation. All things are passed away. All things, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. You see, the thing is, brothers and sisters, when this happened, He started a work in you. He started a work in you. It's not your work. He started a work in you. All you need to do is to obey. You need to obey when the Holy Spirit directs you. Let me give you an example. You say to me, and, and I remember that, you know, I was in the army. In the army, you learn a few things in the defense force. You learn to fight. You learn who the enemy is. You become very fit. You become very strong. But you also learn how to curse. <laughs> who knows that, that the sailors curse? They say you curse like a sailor. Yeah? You just go to the army, man. I've heard words there which I thought, whoa, jeez, in my whole life I haven't known those words like that. And then what happens? If you're influenced by your surroundings, soon you're going to pick up the habits of the surrounding, Yes? And I started to do these things and it just became natural. But then I got born again. I got saved. And you know what? I'm standing in front of you. I'm way open to you. I think it was months and weeks after I was saved. I was talking one day and just these words slipped out. It just came out and I, whoa, where did that come from? You remember my story about the bee? <laughs> whoa, where's that nest? But you see, I come back to the thing, brothers and sisters. You can fake the fruit, but you can't fake the root. 
What happens at that point in time, before I got saved, because before I got the root of righteousness of Christ, before it was all right with me, I didn't feel even guilty when I say those words. But now, something changed. As soon as I said that word, I went, that's not right. I shouldn't do that. I feel convicted. Before I didn't feel convicted. What's happened? I'm a new and I'm his workmanship. He's working on me now. Can you see how it works? Look at this now. Being confident of this very thing in Philippians 1.6. That he who has begun a good work in you will complete the good work until the day of Jesus Christ. Now let me quickly break this up for you. He who has begun the good work in you is who? It's God. And he will complete it. Now when you come to me and you say, that guy calls himself a Christian and he, he did this thing. I say to you, that's fine, let's pray for him. The Bible says if you see your brother doing a sin, you need to go to him and tell him about that sin until he can come to confession. Yeah? But that is maybe just because the Lord is already and still working in that man. You know, it came to a point, let me just quickly say to you, that I changed the word, the swear words that I used to the word jackal. I would say, that man walked down there and jackal, that lion jumped out of the bush. I, I, I think you get the thing. In the place of a swear word, I put the word jackal. You get me now? Oh, jackal, yes. Now, be with me now, because jackal is not a swear word, is it? But I was praying one morning. The Lord came to me and he just laid it upon my heart. I've made the word jackal a swear word. Yeah? And then I can't do it anymore. Because I tried to do it in my own strength. Until I surrendered to the Holy Spirit and changed my heart so that I don't say those things anymore. You see, I'm his workmanship. Until the day of Jesus Christ, what does it mean? Until you die, he will keep on working with you. Now, Look at this verse here, Philippians 3 verse 9. This shows you what I just said. It's just confirmation. He replaces my, my righteousness with his righteousness. And be found in him, Philippians 3 9, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. You see those laws. But, everybody say but, sharp contrast, that which comes through faith. Through faith. In Christ Jesus, the righteousness from God depends on what? That's why I say righteousness is the root that grows out of the seed of faith and grace. I need to put in grace there as well. Now, let me just say to you in the next five minutes how this works. How does it work? Come on, preacher, tell us now. You said it is His fruit. It's Him. Because here, Paul says it to us. Philippians 1.11, he says, filled with the fruits of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. How does it work? How am I going to get Jesus to change my lifestyle? Well, this is already taught to us by Jesus in John 15 verse 4. Who knows this passage? He says, abide in me. Jesus tells this to his disciples. What does the word abide mean? It means to make a residence, habitation. Abide in me. I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. He's the one who gives us the fruit. 
You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears what? Much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. There's a tree. It's got roots. It's got a trunk. It's got branches. And it's got fruit. The tree is not trying to make fruit. The fruit appears. Because of all of these things in the plant that works together. It's the same with you. If you abide in Christ, how do I abide in Christ? Read your Bible, pray every day and you will grow. Meditate on the Word, come to church, listen to sermons, sing, sing gospel songs, read Psalms, fill yourself with God. If you're going to do that, you will start to bear His fruit. This is how it works. You see, in John chapter 14 verse 16, Jesus prayed and He said, I'll pray the Father and He'll give you another comforter, that He may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him. Why? For He and He dwells with you and He will be in you. Now let me ask you a question. Is the Holy Spirit righteousness? Is the Holy Spirit God? Yes. Is God righteous? Yes. Is Jesus righteous? Yes. Is the Holy Spirit righteous? Yes. Is the Holy Spirit righteous? Yes. yes. So now, let's go back to what I said to you before. He is righteous and you need to practice righteousness. He set the rules and you need to abide by the rules. And then I said in one of my statements, you will not be able to do it in your own power. Who do you need? The Holy Spirit. And here you find Him coming into you. So what is coming inside of you? Righteousness. The moment that you are born again and He comes and lives inside of you, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit, in comes that righteousness. You say, wow, it's hard for me, I can't see it. But you are His workmanship. He's working on you. Your sins are you forgiven. The legal matter has been taken care of. But now He's working in your lifestyle. And all you need to do is to obey and to listen to His Spirit. How does it work? He just said that the Holy Spirit comes and He lives inside of us, didn't I? So look at this now. Galatians 5 verse 22. This is the fruit that comes and lives inside of you. This is the fruit. If you call yourself a child of God... You've got everything that I'm going to read to you now. It's right in there, in you. You just need to practice it. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no Because there is a righteousness in law. That righteousness doesn't cover here anymore. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with his passions and desire. If we live, everybody say live. That's your lifestyle in the spirit. If you bring your lifestyle in the spirit, let us also walk in. That's your actions in the spirit. Now, we finished now. If somebody can warn my beautiful wife, I'm nearly finished. Is that plural or is it singular? Is that plural or singular? It's not fruits. Excuse me, my Jesus. It's not fruits. I'm trying to do it like a South African. Fruits. 
It's not fruits. That's the R. It's a singular. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Somebody came to me once and they said, Oh, you know, I've got love and I've got joy. That long suffering. I haven't got long suffering. That fruit I haven't got. No, no, no. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. It is the fruit of the Spirit. But here is the great news. I just showed you. I just showed you. Go and listen to the sermon again. Go into YouTube and listen to it again. I said to you, the Holy Spirit come where? He lives where? He is righteousness. You said it yourself. The Word said it. He is righteousness. Yes? Now we look at the fruits of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit. And what is that? It's all of those things. And you come to me and you say, Oh no, I have got no patience. You don't know me. And I say to you, Yes, I don't know you. And yes, you do not have patience. But you are God's workmanship. The fact, listen to me now. The fact that you said to me that you haven't got patience is the Holy Spirit who's convicting you to tell me that you haven't got patience. And that tells me that He's working on that. You see, before you were saved, you didn't worry whether you didn't have patience. You said, I don't care. That's just the way I am. Am I right? I know I'm right. But now you are saved. And He's coming. He's plucked inside of you the root of righteousness. Hallelujah. Come on. Let's give the Lord a hand. He's putting you the root of righteousness. And now, now you're not patient. And you go, I need to do something about this patience. It's not right that I'm not patient. Now you come up to the pastor and you say, Pastor, you know, I do all those things. But I'm not a patient person. The fact that you're telling me that is the fact that the Holy Spirit is working with you to correct that. Yes. Now you can do whatever you want to do to try to correct your impatience. No, no. What you need to do is you need to go on your knees and say, Holy Spirit, help me with my patience. And I, If that's you today, test me on this. No, no, don't test me. Test God on this. Go to Him and pray to Him that. Because I bet you the next time, before you're going to get patience, He's going to warn you. <laughs> you're going to go, Bron, eh? you're going to go, I'm, I'm about to go into my impatience and the Holy Spirit is going to cry in your mind and say, you know how you felt when you became impatient and you're going to go, take a deep breath. <sighs> what is it, honey? <laughs> yes? <laughs> that is practicing righteousness. Amen? Have we learned something today? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. Your word is powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, cut between bone and marrow, spirit and soul, Lord. But this is the important part. Father, it is the discerner of the heart. And I thank you that you've discerned hearts today, Lord. Father, I pray that you go with everybody today who've listened online. I pray, Father, that you bless us, Father. I pray, Lord, that you help us. Lord, I need so much help to live this life of righteousness. I need so much help in my lifestyle, and you know it, and I know it, Father. But I say, Lord, help me. I want to obey. Work with me in the Holy Spirit. Convict me when you need to convict me, Father. And then, Father, help me to obey. Not in my strength, but in your strength. Father, we worship and praise you in Jesus' name. And everybody say, Amen. Amen. And I am actually.